So you finally get to the point where you're exhausted enough to go to bed, right? You've been up all day binge watching uh, that series on Netflix. You've been trying to find ways to keep yourself busy, trying to keep yourself distracted from the fact that we're stuck in quarantine, from the fact that uh, you're not actually leaving the house, which sucks. Um, And for a lot of you listening, this is a new way of life. This is uh, something that uh, is very foreign to you because many of us have been trained since kids, since birth, that uh, you get a job, you go to work Monday through Friday, you clock in nine o'clock in the morning uh, and you clock out at five. And one thing that this pandemic has done for us is it's really leveled the playing field. Because if you have been a freelancer, like, like I have, if you've been working in this industry, you understand that there's no such thing as stability and you have to find a way to keep yourself motivated. You have to find a way to inspire yourself. And today I want to talk a little bit about how do you, how do you get control of an idea, right? Because let's say, as I started the show, let's say that you finally get to bed, right? You finally find that peace. You're exhausted. You've been watching, you know, 12 episodes of whatever show, Dark, on uh, Netflix. And you're just getting to that point where you're ready to pass out. And I do this all the time. I'll, I have a rhythm that I need to do in order to fall asleep. So I'll make my bed a certain way, make sure that I shower make sure that I lay down a certain way because oftentimes sleep, finding sleep and getting sleep can be such a torturous process for me. And as I lay down, put my head on the pillow and I start to feel that sleep wash over me, start to feel that exhaustion kick in. It inevitably happens every time an idea will pop in there. I'll get an idea. Something will pop in my brain and it could be anything. It could be an idea for a movie. It could be an idea for lighting. It could be a thought on a, on a food dish, but it just slides right in there. And I don't know, maybe if, you know, we further examined it and I talked to some professionals, they'd probably say, well, you've put yourself in sort of a relaxed state, right? You've put yourself in a position to feel these things, to allow these ideas to kick in. And maybe that's true, but I'll tell you this, it sucks. (laughs) There's nothing worse than finally getting to that point to fall asleep where you're drifting and you're going and then something just shows up in there. And then you're like, okay, so I've got this idea and it's an exciting idea. And what it does is it starts to turn those wheels again. And those wheels start moving even faster. And so now I'm awake. Now I'm staring at the ceiling and I'm thinking about this. This is interesting. What if we did an idea? What if I took this idea and added some elements to it? And this is fascinating. Now there's the internal conflict, right? I need to sleep. I want to sleep. But now I have an idea. And now this idea 
is haunting me. I can't get rid of this idea. And I don't know if you guys all experience the same thing. I'm staring here at Instagram Live as we do the show because I'm broadcasting this live today. I'm trying something new. And what do we have? We got some comments here from Jessica. Uh, Grab a pen and paper, no screen, write it down and revisit it. That's actually really good advice. And this is something that I've been struggling with myself because I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but sometimes when you get an idea, you feel like it's just passing through, right? And you get something that you feel is good. And in your gut, you know when there's, there's a piece of something that's genius in there. And you're like, how do I fucking harness this thing? How do I, how do I throw a rope around this steed's neck and keep it in a stable so that I could just sleep and then I'll wake up and I'll have this idea. And there's a lot of different practices involved with this. And there was a point in time where I had a folder. I had just a binder that I had picked up for myself that I would leave next to the bed. And I would try to write down and sketch out ideas. I haven't been doing that recently, but there have been times where I've needed to do that. There have been times where I couldn't find peace until I did that until I felt like I had documented it. Because how often do you have a great idea or wake up from a dream and then it's gone? Like it's, it disappears on you. And you're like, fuck, what was that thing? I was like, I was, in, I was in a grocery store and there were aliens and it was really cool. And most of the time with these ideas, what you're trying to do at least what I try to do is I try to document how I emotionally respond to the idea initially, right? Because oftentimes the idea itself sucks. Let's be real. (laughs) Oftentimes the idea is kind of dog shit. And so then what you're trying to do is harness it. And what I try to do is I try to figure out, okay, what are the elements about this thing that get me really excited, right? How am I feeling right now? Why is my heart rate racing is it the excitement because i have an idea or is it because this idea is making me feel a specific way which to me is more important right because you're ultimately if you're a filmmaker and a lot of you guys listening to the show a lot of you guys watching right now want to be filmmakers want to be directors are directors are storytellers are screenplay writers you know that a that an idea, a good idea, is everything. A good idea is where it starts. That's the big bang for a project. But you have to really go through the hard work of distilling an idea and understanding what is about it that makes it good, right? Let's see what's going on here. I got a bunch of comments and stuff that's happening here. The creative process at work, planning and follow through. You get there. Uh, relatable. Some dreams give me ideas for story. Even how small it is, I document it right away. That's good. That's actually a good way to do it. I find that if I can try to document it, and if I can, like, if it's a, if it's an idea that I feel I'm, I'm going to lose, then I definitely will write that down quickly. And I'll write down how I'm feeling and I'll write down the aspects of that idea and just sort of put it in a book. Um, And then who knows how long it's going to take that fucking thing to gestate, which is a whole different part of the conversation, but at least you're getting that thing down. How many of you can remember your dreams? 
And those of you watching right now, let's get some comments going. But how many of you can remember your dreams? And how many of you can actually verbalize those dreams uh, accurately after? There's nothing worse than dealing with somebody who had an exciting dream that can't verbalize it because dreams are incredibly emotional. And so when you're trying, have you, have you guys ever done this yourselves? Have you ever tried to explain such a visual dream to somebody else and then listen to yourself describe it? It's very difficult because what you're trying to do is you're trying to verbalize the emotions that you were feeling and there's a lot of theories on why dreams, how dreams work and what they do. I sort of subscribe to the whole idea that it's like a library and it's a bunch of books that are put out of order, you know? So you go through the process of dealing with your day, dealing with your week, dealing with your month, and you have all these different ideas, different scenarios, different situations that you're put into, and you're trying to run through those real time, right? So you're dealing with life as it comes at you. And you have to compartmentalize all these different experiences that you have and you kind of throw them on the shelf. It's like if you have a DVD collection and you're pulling out movies and you just toss them on the shelf. For me, dreaming is that process of going back and basically defragging your hard drive, basically going through and reorganizing uh, all of those thoughts and moments and dreams. And then, then that process as you're sort of like restacking these things subconsciously you're going through and you're looking at them and it creates this whole new experience and this experience of emotional sort of turmoil for some of it or emotional excitement. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of wacky. And I know I'm not the only person that thinks this way. I'm sure that there's an actual definition for what this is, but this is kind of how in my moronic state put this made sense of what dreams are to me. Um, and so Let's take a look here. I'm just taking a look at what folks would be saying. This is the best podcast material is Mike reading fucking Instagram lives. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of people are agreeing with me here. So uh, it's about trying to harness that emotional response, right? And so when you wake up after a dream and like I'll turn to Gina and be like, I had this crazy dream and I was like, in a dentist's office, and there was this, and, and another person sort of hearing these things, it's often irritating to listen to someone describe their dream because you're just not having that emotional response. And so what I try to do now is explain how I felt through the dream. Like I felt like I was falling or I felt like I had all this anxiety based upon this thing or it was so warm and so exciting and so beautiful. And being able to understand dreams and the emotion that you go through will help you harness ideas. So if you're trying to take an idea and figure out how to make it into something great, what are the steps that you can do? And we're going to get into that on, the, on today's episode. But first, I want to just say hello and welcome to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. It has been a while since you and I just sat down and had a conversation. I'm sure you've been listening to the show. I know you guys subscribe to the show. You've heard our guests and our crazy fucking people that we've had on this on the show. 
what are we at? We call it season two, but the reality of the situation is, is it's been a lot of episodes during season two, and we've been trying to make the show bigger and better than ever. Um, and I hope you guys have been enjoying it. I hope you guys watching right now have been listening to the show. If you don't know where to find it, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, I've done the work for you. I've curated the show based upon subject material. So I know those of you who are looking at like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you're like, holy shit, there's 91 episodes. A lot of you new listeners are like, where the fuck do I start? Well, we've done a couple things for you at inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, um, we've remastered the first five episodes uh, and we've actually put those guys out on Instagram, not Instagram, on fucking YouTube. Um, with really cool looped footage. So I've actually gone through my movie, 12KM. Those of you who listen, you know that there's this movie kicking around. I've gone through alternate takes from that movie and built these video loops that will play for you while you listen to the first five episodes, which is kind of cool because that's the dilemma. How do I take a show that we've been recording for, what, three years, two years now, uh, without video and put it on YouTube and make it interesting and not just have it be a fucking graphic. So what we've been attempting to do is make that shift to YouTube. Coronavirus has sort of delayed a lot of that process, but we're getting there. Um, but if you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, there you can listen to the first five episodes, completely remastered so that they sound like they belong in the show. Um, and you can watch them on YouTube if you want, or... If you want to get a taste of the show, we have a selection up there called the Top 25 Episodes. And there we've sort of curated what we think and what the audience thinks are the best episodes of the show. So they range. You'll be surprised. We talk to porn stars. We talk to fucking stuntmen. Um, so it's a really great place. It's a good resource for you if you love the show. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com right now or for those of you who aren't subscribing to the show already, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Stitcher. Honestly, we've done all the fucking legwork for you for free. For free, right? So you're welcome. Um, so definitely go check out that stuff. We appreciate the support. And for those of you who follow on Instagram, if you follow at Mike Petchy on Instagram, or if you follow In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram, uh, you know that we int we love to talk to you guys. We love the responses that you've been giving and getting. Uh, we repost all of your reposts on us because we love you guys. Um, and that's where people have been suggesting guests and do the math. If you look at the suggestions that they, we've got, we've got almost 90% of each guest that people have suggested. So there you go. And it helps that you guys are responding and interacting with us so much because then I deal with PR people. So little behind the curtain bullshit. When you're doing a podcast and you're trying to get larger guests, you're dealing with that celebrity's uh, fucking PR team. And the first thing that the PR team asks is how big is your audience and how much does your audience interact and how are you going to promote this episode? So when you guys repost graphics and when you guys put things out there, that's fuel for me because I literally will send the PR people to your shit and say, people care. So it's worth you going to tell Arnold Schwarzenegger to be on my show. <laughs> so that's how the game works. So if you love the show 
and you're like, look, I don't make a lot of money and I can't really donate to the show. That's fine. It's more important that you guys are interacting. It's more important that you guys are reposting about the show because that I can take that traction. I can take that energy that you're putting out there and turn it into fucking quality content and really good guests. All right. So keep that in mind as we listen. Um, and do I officially start the show? Did I do it already? Maybe I officially start the show here. We can, uh, let's cue up a little song. Let's see what we got. All right, everybody. So you know the deal. Grab those noise-canceling headphones. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Find a place to sit back, relax, and enjoy the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. So we're back. A bunch of really cool stuff to talk about on this show. We started the show by talking about uh, inspiration, ideas, how to harness ideas, how to keep ideas from from dissipating on us. Um, And uh, we'll get into that on the show. How many of you guys listening, how many of you guys watching right now, because we're doing this live on Instagram at the same time, how many of you guys deal with the same sort of torturous issues that I do, where you get an idea and you try to find a way to keep it. Try to find a way to plant that fucking little idea and make it into something good, right? That has always been the bane of my existence and it has taken me years of practice to try to figure out how to put these ideas into a position to become something great. And you never fucking know. You never know how long it's going to take that thing to grow, right? I don't, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, but a great example of this is 12KM, my film 12KM. When I first read and I first heard about uh, the Russian drill team from the 1980s that had dug the deepest hole known to man, which happened at the Kola Peninsula, it actually, it's a true story. I had read about this idea years ago and was like, this could be something fascinating. This could be something interesting, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to make it into something great. Um, And so basically just sort of wrote it down, put it in a book. And uh, it took uh, quite some time. It actually took years later when I had the head injury and I had the accident and I was inspired by all the events that were happening with that for me to figure out how to take that idea and make it into something great. And for those of you watching the show, you can see that Gina just showed up. Hi, Beans. 
How is your bike ride? Very good. Did you hear me knocking? No. I got my headsets on doing a podcast. You know what I mean? Not my fault. Quarantine life. Uh, so, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, where the fuck was I? So anyway, yeah, it took me a while to figure out how to use that idea. And it wasn't until I had the head injury and I was going through like these crazy delusions and I had this idea of a creature that was controlling your subconscious and I needed to come up with a bit of an origin story for it that I remembered. I remembered that story about the Russian drill team. I went back and looked at my looked at my notes on it, and it just made sense. It just sort of fell into place. But we're talking like two, three years. That thing sat in a folder for two, three years, man. And so I do the same thing now. I have ideas that are just, I have like these books and folders. I wish I had one in front of me. So I could show you guys, but I have these books and folders that just have scribbles and ideas and, and thoughts or sequences or, um, honestly, ideas about blocking and ideas about staging, because that's the most difficult portion of it for me as a director. And if you guys are, tr are in the same position where you're storyboarding ideas and you're trying to put things together... I'm consistently trying to make sure that everything that I design has a reason. Why did I pick this lens? Why, did this, why does this person stand while delivering this dialogue? Why does this person sit? Like, how are they in relationship to the camera? And what does that mean? And so that process is very difficult be 100% transparent. I'm supposed to be working on that today, and I literally am avoiding it by doing the show this morning. <laughs> and so it's a really difficult thing to do if you sit down and you look at a script and you're like, okay, here's, here's a story, here's a scene. How do I cover this scene? And if I just sit down to do that cold, then I find myself just following the rhythms of it, you know? Wide shot, close-up, close-up coverage. Two shot, over the shoulder, here, insert. Boom, 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 boom. And you find yourself following these steps and these rhythms. And then when you look at a lot of movies that are made today, a lot of people are just doing that. That is the extent of what they're doing, is that rhythm. How do I get enough coverage for the edit? How do I get, how do I show what's happening in the sequence? And a lot of the stuff that we see is really boring right now. Because it doesn't seem like they have taken the time to figure out what does it mean? What does it mean if I move the camera? And look, it's an impossible task to actually sit there and go, okay, look, I want you to think about this while reading the script and bang this thing out really quickly and put out the shot list. So I think it's imperative that you can then go back to your ideas book, right? And this is what I was talking about with, with ideas with blocking. Like sometimes I'll think about something that makes sense narratively, but I don't have a place for it. Like, let me see if I can think of an example. Um, um, like maybe there's a two shot with two actors that are equal, right? And so you have a conversation that's happening. You have a scene that's happening where two people show up into the room and they're equal. 
and then the power shifts between the two of them. You have the power shifting to the left and the power shifting to the right. And so how do I show that shift in power thematically, subconsciously, without being too heavy-handed about it? Now, if this was a Michael Bay movie, I would just do a fucking circle dolly track fucking move around them a hundred fucking times or if it was like a J.J. Abrams movie, and I'd just be sort of adding anxiety and adding intense and intensifying this stuff. Or if it was a uh, television spy drama, it would just be handheld coverage, shaky cam here, shaky cam here, double shaky cam here. Is there a way that I could do this scene with one dolly move? Can I Spielberg this? Can I do a line of dolly track Never take the camera off that line of dolly track, but then through that process of that camera positioning, show the position of power as it's volleyed with the dialogue, right? And so I'm consistently, I'm constantly thinking about that stuff. Like, what does it mean if the camera's at a floor level and the person's here? And what does it mean if the person's standing here, but there's action behind them? Um, And so... A lot of my idea books are filled with that stuff. Sometimes it'll just be a sketch. Sometimes it'll just be a scribble. And honestly, to be 100% transparent, oftentimes I'm not even writing it down. I just now have this like, and I should write it down because I feel like I might lose it, but I now have this you know, chamber full of these ideas that I'm just constantly throwing shit into and not getting any sleep for it. Um, but yeah. I don't know. That's me ranting and raving about that. Mm. So how do you do it? You write it down. Maybe you tape record it. There was a period in time after I had the head injury when I was in the hospital and I was going through this really trippy um, sort of uh, psychedelic fucking train ride uh, with the multiple concussions. And I just had Gina take out my cell phone and I would just audio record it because of course I couldn't write it at the time. So I just would just tell, I would have to say out loud what I was experiencing and what I was feeling. Uh, Thank God I did that because I was able to go back and reference that emotion, reference that vibe. I think it's all really important. I think the first thing that you need to do and first thing I needed to do was sort of get over how ridiculous it feels to do it. You know, um, I don't know why, but it just did. It, 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 you know, doesn't it feel ridiculous sometimes to just sort of pick up your phone and, and fucking dictate things? You're like, is this really important? Is this worth me doing this? I don't know. Um, and you sort of have to get over that. You have to get over that anxiety. Uh, or just that, sh- I don't know, it's not even shame. It's just get over yourself. And I find that I have to do that in general with any of this stuff with filmmaking. Because if I'm out of it long enough and I'm not practicing it enough and I'm not practicing scenes with actors you know the first time that you get into a rehearsal space it kind of feels odd and you're just like "Mm, it's kind of goofy we're just playing make-believe and you have to you have to like teach yourself that it's okay it's okay to fuck up it's okay to be uh in this weird place of insecurity while developing something um and it's a weird thought Actually, I don't know where that came from, but uh, yeah. Anyway, 
So, yeah, we have to try to catalog these ideas and put these things down and keep us on track. I've got a bunch of people here following on Instagram Live. Hello, everybody. Hey, Debs. Um, I hope you guys are doing good. Sunday, Sunday morning here. This will be recorded hopefully for Tuesday. We'll, we'll try to put this out Tuesday this week. Um, what have you guys been up to? What's new with you? How is... Uh, the coronavirus been treating you. If you listen here, I have been dealing with asthma. So <clears throat> I've had asthma since I was a kid. I think it was something that I was uh, handed by my mother who should hate me for saying this. I think it was because she smoked cigarettes when I was inside of her. So <clears throat> I was born with asthma. And asthma's always been triggered by my allergies. So I am severely allergic to dogs and cats. And so, uh, and before you, before you fucking go through the process of trying to educate me on it and saying like, well, I've got a short haired animal, so you're not going to be allergic to it because it's a short haired animal. I'm allergic to their fucking skin, all right? So dander is the flakes. It's the skin that comes off the animals. That's what I'm allergic to. So unless you skin your cat, and maybe I won't be allergic to it, I'm most likely going to be allergic to the fucking thing. Um, and I generally don't mind. I don't, I don't get angry about pets. I mean, I, I sort of got used to it as a kid. When you're younger, you're not allowed to go to your friend's houses. You can't go hang out with folks because everybody's got a pet. Everybody's got an animal. Uh, you get used to it at a young age. Um, and for me, the big deterrent was that it would trigger my asthma. Now, I don't know how many of you listening have asthma or have had breathing issues, but it's a really difficult thing to describe to folks who haven't experienced it before. And actually, if you want a great scene reference from a movie, I think the scene from Signs is really good. The one where uh, Mel Gibson and the Culkin, was it Rory Culkin in that? Uh, were down in the basement and uh, he was having his asthma attack and he didn't have his inhaler. What happens is your lungs <clears throat> become inflamed, right? So there's a substance that basically swells them up, that irritates that material irritates that tissue. And so you breathe that in, whether that's dander, whether that's pollen, that'll go in there. And inside of your lungs are these branches, these like uh, very much like tree branches, little bronchial branches that are in there. And what happens is, is they start to swell. And as the branches get smaller, they're deeper in your lungs. And so those guys start to swell shut. And so it becomes difficult to take full breaths. So right now, I am breathing about half capacity. So if I tried to breathe full capacity, hold on. Right there, it's sore. What basically, what it's doing is, is I'm trying to force open that swollen lung material. And so what happens is, is that over time, that inf inflammation gets deeper and deeper into your lungs, and it essentially feels like you're drowning. It's really difficult uh, to process. And I learned as a kid, because I was a young kid and I had to go through it as like a five to 10 year old, you learn how to control your breathing. You learn how to essentially drown without panicking. Um, but <clears throat> I figured out 
early on that if I just stayed away from dogs and cats, it wouldn't be a big deal. So don't deal with dogs and cats, don't have to deal with the asthma. But for some fucking reason, over the past month, um, out here in Los Angeles, we're pushing our, our year out here right now. And I don't know if it's because of the fireworks pollution. I don't know if it's because of some sort of pollen that I've never been exposed to. Or if it has to do with this asshole fucking smoking meats at the same time. And maybe it's a combination of all of that stuff. Um, but I've been having fucking insane asthma attacks over the past couple weeks. And the concern, of course, first and foremost, was COVID. Was like, oh, fuck. I guess uh, I might have coronavirus. Because I'm breathing tough. So uh, we went and uh, got corona tested, obviously. We went down and got the COVID test. And I don't know if you guys have done that yet. I think we talked about it on one of the other episodes. I don't know if you guys have done that yet, but uh, we went down here in Los Angeles to Dodger Stadium, and Jesus Christ, was it a fucking wacky experience. It was uh, post-apocalyptic, to say the least. I felt like I was in a John Carpenter movie. I felt like it was a They Live sequel. Uh, driving around the parking lot in a three-line fashion in vehicles. Uh the, the amount of people that they put through that is it's just insane. Like 350 appointments per hour. Fuck. You sort of drive around this little circle and uh, they have like big concert TVs, like, uh, you know, rear projection, not even rear projection, L, like uh, LED setups where the uh, governor of, New York, of uh, California is on there. You tune into an AM radio station and they give you directions on how to self-apply this test in the car. There were people in hazmat suits with fucking grip claws, like giving you tests through the windows. Uh, it was fucking crazy. Um, pretty insane how fast and efficient they are with it because uh, you basically go, you sign up on the website, you find a spot, spots go quick, you find a spot, uh, you show up with that information, they do the test. They email you a couple days later. And so uh, the good news was that uh, I came back negative, which was great, which then allowed me to go on to steroids <coughs> to try to combat this uh, <coughs> this lung thing. And it, they seemed to work pretty good for a while, but uh, the issue with steroids is that you can't stay on them for too long. Um, and so post that now is this mode that I'm in, which is this weird breathing pattern. So the good news is, and Corona, that's awesome. Bad news is, is I don't know what the fuck it is. Uh, unless they're like grinding up puppies and spraying them in the fucking air right now. I got no idea what is doing it. So when you guys hear some of this breathing, think about that. When's the last time you actually thought about your breath? Yeah, asthma, the best. Um, But the other thing that was interesting about it was that mm, uh, when I was having a pretty rough go at it, I called up the doctor and because of corona, they aren't letting patients come into the doctor's office, especially patients with breathing problems, 
Uh, and so their big concern was that uh, maybe you have a pneumonia, maybe you have something in your lungs, you have to get checked out, you have to get x-rayed. And so they sent me to the emergency room, right? And so ended up driving down to downtown Los Angeles, uh, going to the emergency room, which there's fear in that, right? Because you're like, well, that's where all the sick people go. So do I go there and get sick? How does this work? Uh, and it was fascinating. We ended up, I ended up driving down there and going into the space and they do the whole thermostat thing, which was interesting, which is such a weird, I get it. If someone's got a fucking fever, then they definitely are sick and it's a great way to, to do that. But then that's all that checks is whether or not you have a fever, which is interesting. Um, went through that, then had the ladies at the space, very polite people, really nice people. Uh, they were like, okay, cool. So you've passed the initial test. Um, just go around the corner and, um, you'll be called. And I was like, okay. And this is the first time I've ever been to this hospital. So I figured that maybe there was like another entrance. So go back out in the street, walk around the corner, walk around to the back end. And this is parking lot. <laughs> and in this parking lot, they've set up these tents and inside each of these tents, there are chairs with six feet apart from each one of them. And it was this weird, I felt like I was in Outbreak, the movie. <laughs> it's this weird tents, weird Outbreak tents, little AC units blowing air conditioning into these tents and uh, went out into this parking lot and waited. Literally had them wheel out an x-ray machine into the parking lot while sitting in a chair, had to carry, had to hold one of those uh, lead plates, hold this behind you. And then I'm sitting in this chair and they're blasting me with a fucking x-ray machine in the parking lot. It was insanity. And then you're sitting there amidst all of the excitement that's going on because it's an outdoor emergency room, essentially. So you've got uh, doctor's assistants teaching uh, teacher's assistants, you've got nurses, you've got all sorts of people that are just sort of making their way through these chairs that are six feet apart in little tents, open air tents, by the way, not closed air tents. And so you're sitting out there while this is happening. At the same time, there's the guy that's in charge of landscaping for the hospital, and he's decided to bring out a power washer. So he's starting up a generator and power washing the parking lot that we're all sitting in, right? And so if you guys don't know what a power washer is, it's a pretty noisy little setup. It's a noisy little generator setup. So we've got the groundskeeper power washing the parking lot. We've got ambulances showing up and pulling out homeless people on stretchers that think they have corona, which was fascinating. We'll get to that in a minute. And you've got... Uh, doctor's assistants wheeling out x-ray machines and blasting me in the chest in this parking lot and then the doctor comes out while there's an ambulance there while there's a power washer there and he comes over with his stethoscope and he's like let's see if we can hear your lungs <laughs> and i'm like dude i can't hear you how the fuck are you gonna hear my lungs ah uh, it was crazy and it was uh it's not scary. It's just, I enjoy shit like that because it's, 
it's a character building adventures, I think. And you start to get to look around and see people and see people like how they act in scenarios that, uh, aren't normal, I guess. Um, and, uh, to say the least, it was, it was a fascinating thing. It was a fascinating thing to watch these people sort of go through the same sort of realization that I did where it's like, Oh, I guess, uh, I guess I'm going to have my leg checked out outside here in the parking lot. Okay. That's cool. Let's see what happens. Mm. And I have to say this. I want to say this on the record. Is that I have nothing but the greatest amount of respect for paramedics and EMTs. I have nothing but the utmost respect for these folks. And I was able to sit there for three hours as I waited. was able to sit there and watch just a slice of the adventures that these folks go through. Now, I've been fortunate enough to actually spend some time with EMTs and paramedics. Uh, Years ago, I did a ride-along. I did a 24-hour shift where I got to embed with paramedics. I got to go through the whole process of doing a full shift. And their shifts are intense. I don't know if you guys understand how crazy it is to work in the medical field. And for some fucking reason, they give them like 24-hour shifts or 15-hour shifts I, there's there's got to be a reason for it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me why you would want the people that are dealing with the most amount of stress dealing with, it with the least amount of sleep. But it was an interesting and fascinating experience uh, sleeping in beds at a fire station, being woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning by an alarm and bright lights to shine in your face, and then getting into an ambulance and trying to drive down a darkened street with strobe lights insanity like you know that you know when if someone wakes you up in the middle of the night and you're just like your brain is thawing out and you're just like i can't work my hands imagine jumping into a fucking ambulance in that mindset and putting the pedal of the metal and fucking screaming to a place where someone's dying (laughs) it's insane it was a crazy adventure something really awesome to be a part of uh, and then you really start to witness how these folks handle stress. Because stress is a real thing, right? We all deal with stress one way or another. Whatever your job is, you deal with stress. How many of you deal with stress badly, right? You come home from your fucking job and you're like, my boss was mean to me. And it ruins your fucking day. Can you imagine if your stress level uh, was impacting whether or not you're going to save a kid's life? Or... If your part of your stressful day was the fact that you dragged a body out of a fucking car accident, and even though the body was dislodged from the second half of it, it was still speaking and talking and fucking rationalizing what was going on, and you were watching this happen, think about that shit. So when you look at these folks and you call these people and you see them do their fucking job, you got to remember that these people are processing the shit. They're processing this shit. And they're going from hot to cold to hot to cold. Sitting around, nothing's happening, to suddenly getting a fucking call and life is insanity. Especially during the COVID crisis. Especially during this whole thing. And so I was sitting there in the parking lot trying to keep myself occupied because I was there for three hours. Excuse me, it's a burp. And I watched this ambulance show up and pull this gentleman out of the back of the car 
or the car, back of the ambulance, and he's on a stretcher. Now, as you, as we all do as humans, we look at people and we make assessments, right? So you look at them and you make a first, first a visual assessment with anybody that you encounter. Is this person dangerous? Is this person strange? Does this person have stuff that I need to be concerned about as another human being? We all do it. It's called profiling. There's a reason why it's there. There's a lot of negative aspects to it. I don't want to go down that fucking road. But you're sitting there and you're processing humans as they come into your space. And you're deciding whether or not they're they're someone that you want to be around. So I'm watching these paramedics pull this gentleman out of the back of a fucking uh, of an ambulance that could only be best described as the perfect representation of what a homeless person looks like from Los Angeles. And this gentleman had no shirt on, completely like a bag of bones, completely bag of bones, like skeleton with a fucking hoodie on, essentially. His skin was like a hoodie. And he's got nappy, really uh, sharp hair. And he is strapped to this fucking thing. And he is yelling and screaming. And he is, and I can't hear what he's yelling and screaming about because I, my buddy with the fucking power washer is still running there. But I'm watching this guy get pulled out of the ambulance. So he gets yanked out. The guys are very nice to him. Bring him in the stretcher and they wheel him over to the quote unquote emergency room outside the parking lot. I don't know if you guys have noticed this as well, but as we start to generalize folks, firefighters all sort of have the same kind of demeanor, which is this tough guy, gentle giant, kind of like Blue from fucking Jungle Book thing going on. You know what I mean? Where they they come in, they have a good posture about them, but they're strangely gentle, which is really awesome to see. See the like these big hulking guys actually be very gentle with folks. Um, and... The other thing that's also interesting is that nurses and caretakers tend to be like very small, frail people. <laughs> and it's general, it's a general statement. Of course, there's all sorts of different shapes and sizes, but more often than not, whenever I see a nurse or a caretaker come out, it's usually like a 5'4", thin as rails, uh, someone that's incredibly happy to be there. Uh, and wants to jump into the situation. Now, mind you, uh, I don't know who this gentleman is on the stretcher. I don't know what his backstory is. I don't know how he ended up in the predicament that he was in. But just looking at him and looking at what they were dealing with, this is a shitstorm that no one wants a fucking part of. Let's just be honest about it. This guy is on a fucking rant, and he's on a rage, okay? So, like, if this was 28 days later, you would be like, the fucking monkey bit him. There's something going on with this gentleman. And so I'm watching this guy thrash around and this little lady comes out and she's talking to him. And I wish I could have heard it because all I could hear was the sounds of bubblegum being fucking blasted off the pavement next to me. And so I'm watching this lady and she talks to him and he just has a mask but in the traditional way of wearing masks recently, it's just sort of sitting in his chin, sitting around his chin. And uh, he's just spraying. You just see it silhouetted by the California sun, the spray that's coming out of this dude's face as he's just ranting. 
And this lady looks at him and has this, this look of fear on her face. <laughs> then she bolts into the emergency room and she runs away. And the uh, watching as the firefighters sort of stand around this gentleman. They have their hands on his shoulders and they're trying to keep him on the stretcher is the most professional way that they can. And this woman comes running back out, bolting out. And she's got this little plastic container. <laughs> and she's bolting to this guy who I can only best describe, if you guys read comic books, and there's a very specific comic book cover from 30 Days a Night where the vampire is just like, has his jaw out and his tongue is like like Temple Smith drew his tongue sort of lashing into this into the air and this like spit coming out. This is the silhouette of this gentleman. And so this little five foot uh, <laughs> hero comes running out into the parking lot with this container and this guy doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't miss a fucking beat. He's got his hands down into his pants. He pulls out a pretty substantial penis. He's got this thing in his hands and he just takes that fucking jug from her and just lodges this, lodges this beast into that fucking container and he just starts pissing and he's pissing hard. So apparently, apparently this guy had to take a leak. It was insane to watch. And look, I'm not ashamed. You've seen my movies. I don't care about seeing penises. This is the natural fucking thing. It was just the way that these folks were reacting to this nightmare and watching this guy fill this jug. So he fills this jug full of piss. And uh, what is the reward? <laughs> what is the reward to this whole process? He passes out. So he goes out, jug goes down, he goes down. He goes down onto the sidewalk or onto the fucking parking lot. And you watch this guy go down. And of course, the other guys have to come too, right? So the the firefighters are now having to get into this guy, right? So you've got to lift this dead body essentially off the sidewalk, which means that they got to curl their arms underneath his armpits and like wrap their hands around this gentleman and try to put him back up on that stretcher. And I'm just watching these two guys do this and going, Jesus Christ, how do you do that? How do you... How do you get to the point where without even thinking, without even a concern about what you're putting your hands into, without a concern about any of that stuff, how do you get to that point where that's okay? Um, and it's, I admire them for it. I think it's a really amazing thing to watch. And I think the, the purpose of that rant was just being able to sit in that parking lot and be trapped into that in that situation for three hours, I got to observe um, how a lot of different humans work with each other and how they bounce off each other. And I think that's something that we often forget about, uh, especially with everything that's going on right now, um, is that we're just a bunch of fucking weird little creatures that are all bouncing off each other in the same space. And uh, for instance, like Gina using her hairdryer while I do a podcast, you know, that kind of thing. Passive aggressive. <laughs> anyway, this is a good point. Let's uh, let's see if we could do some uh, ad reads for the show. Let's see. Do I have? Let's see. What do I got going on here? Yeah. All right. We got some music. We got some music. 
So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I want to thank all of you who follow us on Instagram. Follow me at Mike Petchy on Instagram or follow the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. Um, and uh, this is the part of the show where I got to give some respect. I got to give some love to the men and women that support the show. I am talking not just about you guys. I'm not just talking about you guys watching on Instagram live right now. You guys are killing it. Um, but I'm also talking about the sponsors of the show. And without sponsors, the show wouldn't happen. Without sponsors, I wouldn't have these sick new headphones and this super awesome new short microphone. And you wouldn't hear this super sexy deep voice coming out of my roadcaster without the support of these guys and girls. So first up, our good friends over at Puget Systems. If you are a filmmaker, if you're a photographer, if you're a gamer, if you're looking to buy a new computer, uh, go no further than PugetSystems.com. I would highly suggest you build yourself a PC. And I know just even saying that out loud gives people anxiety. Look, PCs are stable. PCs are great. PCs are more affordable. They're upgradable. Um, I've been cutting all of my movies, all my stuff on PCs for about five, six years now. I fucking love them. I just got a brand new Puget System from the guys there. And it has been amazing. We've been cutting multiple formats of 4k real-time uh color correction all sorts of different stuff live uh and the side effect of having a great system is that i've got a really good graphics card in there so video gaming has been actually pretty awesome on it mm. what do we got going on here hold on uh question when writing do you uh, do you write your ideas down first then put it together or do you write scripts as you go finding difficult for my first screenplay connecting the dots um, let's do this live. We'll do this right now. Um, what I try to do is write down ideas. So, uh, the best thing to do is if you have a bunch of ideas, just make yourself a book, go buy yourself like a little binder, put a title on that binder and then fill that binder with a bunch of different stuff. And then when you're going through and trying to structure out an idea, like a screenplay or something like that, you can reference that book. Um, I find that the screenplays go through so many different versions and incarnations as you go through it. Like we're dealing with this right now with one of our features where we actually will, I'm, I'm not going to take any of the credit, Will wrote an amazing screenplay years ago, but we've had to change this thing so many different times to fit so many different, check off so many different boxes and to appease specific aspects of filmmaking. So even though you have a great idea, even though you write a great script, as a, as a screenplay writer, just be prepared that your job is basically throwing out great ideas consistently. And you're trying to sort through those ideas. You're trying to sort through the emotion and the emotional context that you get from ideas to make it work. So whenever you're writing or whenever you're coming up with an idea, get a book together, put all those ideas in there, how you feel about those ideas, what they do to you, uh, could be anything. And then just, you'll have that to go to, especially after you've written a great script and then suddenly they want to change it. You're like, well, what was the fucking essence of this thing? Let me go back to the book again. By the way, guys, it says I have 156 remaining on the Instagram live. I don't understand why they do this. So if it gets disconnected, I'll try to reconnect with you. 
Back to the ad read. So like I was saying, if you are in the market for a new computer, go to PugetSystems.com. There you can purchase a computer based upon the software you use. They have a bunch of really great uh, options for you, baseline packages that can then be customized. And these guys like to talk to you. They actually like to understand what their clients do. They will help you build a system that works for you, works for your budget. And then if you can't afford to get... Uh, or if you're in Europe, rather, if you're if you're somewhere where they don't ship systems, Puget Systems also does a consultation um, uh, deal where basically I think it starts at like 500 bucks. They will give you advice on how to build your own system. They'll actually help you walk through the process of building your own Puget System because there's a lot of folks that listen to the show that are in Europe. There's a lot of folks that listen to the show that are in Australia, and Puget doesn't ship that far, um, but they are offering up a consultation service to help you build the system that works. Um, so definitely go check them out. Go to PugetSystems.com. Also supporting the show, as always, are our good buddies over at uh, Quasar Science. One of the best advancements in technology, one of the best advancements in filmmaking has been lighting. Uh, I love it. Uh, with the advancements of LED technology, you could do so many great things, light cues, color cues. You could dial in any color from the rainbow. You can make it all work out really great. Um, go to quasarscience.com. Check out all the new gear because I have people asking me all the time, uh, what equipment do you use and uh, what do you have in your kit? Uh, I have stuff from Quasar Science. I'll tell you that right now. Um, so go check them out. All right, one second here. You gotta love how Instagram is not really built for uh, the people that need to use it. All right, because I just got booted off the live session and now they're not letting me go back on a live session. You guys fucking kill. Why not? Let's see. Okay, well. I guess that's the only bit of live sessions that we're going to do for that today. Uh, the other sponsor that I love, that I'm really excited to be working with on the show, are friends over at Fright Rags. So I know a lot of you guys listening to the show are big horror movie fans, just like I am. Um, and I love t-shirts. I love horror t-shirts. And I love getting those strange, weird t-shirts that people don't really know the reference to. Uh, and that's kind of how I found these guys over at Fright Rags. So if you go to fright-rags.com, go to fright-rags.com and check them out. Fright Rags has been bringing you the best in horror apparel and accessories since 2003, offering a wide range of products for your favorite creature features slash afflicts in cult classics. Collections include John Carpenter's Halloween, Universal Monsters, Night of the Living Dead, Loud Lady in the Kitchen, Creep Show, Twin Peaks, Evil Dead, Ghostbusters, and many more all officially licensed and only available at fright-rags.com. Listeners get 10% off when they use a code ILWP10 at checkout. So the code is ILWP10 at checkout. Uh, go to fright-rags.com. Love those guys. Can't say enough good things about them. I actually, what shirts do I have? I, I've got a badass UHF shirt. Do you guys remember UHF? Weird Al Yankovic? Mm-hmm. Got a badass shirt for that, and I got a badass Poltergeist shirt from those guys. 
So definitely check it out. Link will be below. All the links for the show are below. And click through on the links because they're trackable links and that uh, tells our sponsors that you guys give a shit and they will continue sponsoring the show. How's that for honesty? Huh? Anyway, that is our sponsor reads. Okay, we're back. I am back on Instagram Live again. We're doing this live thing. We'll see if some folks come back in. I'm just going to say this right now. Fuck you, Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) For being such a pain in my ass. Uh, Yeah, Look, it's a love-hate relationship that I have with Instagram. Instagram has been a great way for me to reach fans and to talk to fans. And there's a bunch of people coming in right now. What's up, everybody? Uh, But... It's also incredibly restrictive. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but oftentimes you won't get my posts. You won't see my posts because Instagram wants me to fucking pay so that you see my shit. Drives me insane. Drives me insane. So anyway, we're here check it, uh, hanging out with folks. What's up, everybody? Uh, those of you just joining us on Instagram Live, I am in the middle of recording This week's episode, if you guys have any questions that you would like answered on the episode right now, if you want a shout out, throw me some questions. We'll take some time to do that now. And in the meantime, as I wait for the for the leg. Oh, there. Okay, so look, we have some super fans on this show and we've had super fans for a long time. And there isn't a bigger fan than our friend Elliot Big Top. Okay, so on Instagram, Elliot Big Top, he's a big fan of sending me flame icons <laughs> and diamond icons and headphone icons. Uh, I see them. I feel you. I appreciate the love, my friend. Um, so, yeah. I, this has just been an interesting little rant episode. Um, and I hope I answered some of the questions about ideas. And and uh, I think that the the most important thing to remember is Figure out a process that works for you on how to harness these ideas. And there's a couple of different things to keep in mind. One, how do I keep an idea if I get it? Do I write it down? Do I have a journal? Uh, Do I do audio recordings of my ideas? Um, That's one thing. And then two, how do you get yourself in the right frame of mind for an idea to happen? And there's a lot of different techniques out there. There's meditation techniques. David Lynch, the director, is huge into, what is it, transcendental meditation. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Uh, he's big into that shit. And whatever he does works for him, you know, because he has uh, really great stuff. But um, I think for me, uh, I have to allow myself to let go of everything else that's happening. I get, Maybe that's meditation, but I have to allow myself to let go of everything that's happening around me the day. Oftentimes I'll find myself, especially now in the Corona crisis where everybody's on top of each other, 
I find myself in the shower doing that. It's a big thing for me. And I think it's got something to do with the sound. It's got something to do with how tight it is and how close it is and how easy it is to get in your brain. Um, I've been listening to a lot of like really, uh, I don't want to say relaxing music. Sometimes I'll listen to some monk chant stuff, but I don't know. Oftentimes I find that I get, I go even further if I'm listening to Tangerine Dream <laughs> than if I'm listening to monk stuff. Um, but you got to find a way to allow your brain to process things. You got to find a way to allow your brain to let things in. Um, that's really important. Uh, and once you do, once you can train yourself to do that, and it's kind of like going on a run. It's kind of like lifting weights. You just slowly train yourself on how to stay in the practice of allowing good ideas to come into your head. Uh, Lynch is also into coffee. Yes. Says one of our comments very much. So apparently coffee is a, is a big thing for him. Coffee and cigarettes. I don't know how that guy's fucking still alive. It's crazy. It's crazy how the human body works and how on certain people it's incredibly resilient. No matter what you're putting that fucking thing, you're pouring like alcohol into it. You're pouring cigarette smoke into it. And it's still just like, and it's just running through its filter, trying to fucking keep it clean, keep you running. What's up, big lady? Would you like to do some crispy eggs? I mean, I woke up with the idea of the dream we put together last night, so... Yeah, I'm almost done. Okay. I'll be done with this in like five, ten minutes, Max. Okay. And then we can do some, uh, we can do some crispy eggs. Yeah, all right. You gotta, you gotta cook them? Mm -hmm. Okay. What are you looking at? Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's all about trying to put your mind in the right place to receive ideas. And Jada and I talk about this all the time. Like we're consistently trying to figure out, uh, what is the healthiest way to let new ideas in and what is the healthiest way to harness these things and how to make them into something interesting. And we talk on the show all the time about toolbox, about building your toolbox and your toolbox it's a metaphor, obviously, but your toolbox is a place where you store all your experience. It's a place where you store all of your inspiration. And it's a place that you can turn to last minute when someone comes to you and says, hey, you'd be great for this. We need something in two days. It happens all the time because we sit around and we wait and we're always saying it's going to be perfect. And it's going to be such a great thing. Like right now I'm feeling that anxiety uh, with the movies, right? Because for those of you who don't know, we got two movies in development, um, and one of them is pretty goddamn close. And the anxiety that I'm feeling right now is that I'm not working enough on the prep for that. Why am I doing this show right now? I'm literally using this show as a reason not to prep. Um, and it's trying to create those healthy rhythms, trying to create that healthy routine in which you're staying practice, your muscles are staying flexed. Like yesterday I sat down and I was trying to process the end of this movie and I can't give away any specifics, but one of the things that I'm learning is that um, if the end of the movie is good, like if you do a great ending of the movie, then the audience will forgive a lot of other stuff. So in my head right now where I'm at, why wouldn't I focus on the end first? Let's try to figure out the end and let's try to make the end as, as good as it will be 
Um, and then everything will kind of stack on top of that. And that's kind of my new mantra, uh, for prepping things. But, um, it's also really difficult and it's like, a, it's a very hard thing when you have such a large idea and you have such a large script, you have a large uh, project that is ultimately going to require so, so much detail, so much level of detail that goes into it in order for it to be good, let alone great, it's just to be good. And so I always have trouble trying to pinpoint how to start, right? Where do you go? Like, what, what do I close my eyes and just point at the page and go, okay, let's start here and let's go from here. And that was yesterday for me. It was um, just trying to find the right scene and sequence to begin with, the planning with and uh, how to put that thing together and then let it build out. And it has a snowball effect, right? So like, you may be going through the process of designing a scene in our sequence and uh for me the rule of thumb is that every scene that's there every movie scene that you see in one of my films should be memorable because why the fuck do it otherwise right because it, it's a unhealthy habit to get into where you're just doing coverage right because you have a schedule you've got a deadline and you're like well i just got to get through this scene so let's just bang, 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 bang. over the shoulder over the shoulder boom, 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 dun, 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 and it's finished but then it's a sin because at that point you've wasted that time. You've wasted that opportunity in which I've kept you captivated. Um, so how do I make these things as interesting as possible? And then it, it can become overwhelming when you think about all of the possibilities. You think about all of the detail that goes into it. Um, and I was feeling that this week. And, and so you sort of hit this point, or at least I hit this point where I just went... It's going to start here. And so I picked a spot and I started on that spot and I visualized it. So I read the scene and I was like, this is how I see it naturally in my head without overthinking about it. And then dissected that. And I have, that's the next thing I'm going to do after we do the show. So I now have to go back through my notes of what I saw that scene to be and how do I make that more interesting and how do I make this mean something and oftentimes what happens is, is that you end up going down a rabbit hole. Like you may change like the wardrobe for someone specifically because you want that wardrobe to affect that scene, which changes everything else. Or you might be like, what if I do some research on choreography for this? And then you just end up going even further down this rabbit hole. Um, it's interesting. It's like this weird sort of chaotic, creative and like engine that you're riding on as uh, you try to plan these things out. And uh, maybe I'm making it too hard on myself. Uh, that could very well be a possibility. But um, in my head, I feel like this is the right way to do it. You know what I mean? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> All right, let's see. I got some comments going here. Uh, great advice on having a routine. Thank you so much. Let's see. Personally, creating an ending is the hardest when I did it last. But if you start with the ending first, it'll be a bit easier to plan. I feel that way, man. I feel like that's my, uh, my instinct on that. We shall see. Because it's true. It's true when uh, you uh, watch a film, there's a lot of forgiveness that happens in the first act. There's a lot of excitement that happens in the first act. There's a reason why people like the beginning of movies because movies in the beginning are all about like 
investigation and becoming uh, familiar with what's happening and sort of processing it and asking a lot of questions and then getting those questions answered. Um, but you can forgive a lot of the first act and you can forgive some of the second act as long as the third act really comes together and as long as you feel like it pays itself off. Um, and I, this is advice that I heard from somebody. Where did I hear this from? Was it from Sandberg? might have been from David Sandberg that I heard that, but um, I think it's good advice. And there's something interesting about it. When, when I was cutting 12KM, the short, I actually had to go through and cut the end scene first um, because I was concerned about it when we shot it. In the end, if you guys haven't seen the short yet, the only way that you're going to be able to see the short is if you write to me on Instagram and send me your three favorite horror movies. I try to keep up with it, um, and I send that out to folks. It's not public yet. Um, but, uh, when I was cutting the end of that movie, um, it, there's a whole lot of stuff that happens in like one studio space without giving anything away. Spoilers. Um, but there's a whole lot that happens in one space and the way we filmed it, it was just one blacked out room. Right. And so I had to sort of keep track of where people were and how they were facing, but it's, it's, it's like a big black space. And when you're filming something like that, it can get very confusing and get turned around really easily with it. Um, and I remember getting good stuff in there, but I remember being apprehensive about whether or not it would work. And so when I sat down to cut that movie, that's where I went first. I literally went, let's cut the end of this fucking thing. Let's see if this movie is going to be worth sitting through. Um, and it worked out really well, actually. Um, cause I was able to cut that thing. I was able to get excited about that thing. I was able to understand where we were headed, uh, and that sort of relieved that anxiety of like, is this going to be worth it? You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, made editing the rest of it easier, not easy, but easier. Those of you who have ever cut films before or cut music videos or cut commercials before, you know <clears throat> how intense the edit room can be emotionally. <laughs> so yeah uh, let's see what am i missing here what are we missing here uh, was there a certain film in particular that made you get into the business and where can i buy your short films okay so i am not selling the short films right now uh the only way to see the shorts is if you write to me on instagram like i said before send me your three favorite horror movies and uh, what I'll probably do is in exchange for watching my movie, I'll probably have you write a review or do a post about it. Um, I try to get to as many of those as possible. I have people writing to me all the time. And if I was just responding to messages on Instagram, I wouldn't have another job. So uh, send, me a, send me a message. And uh, if I happen to catch it at the right time, I will send you a link to see the movie. Um, I haven't released them to the public yet because it's more fun this way. Let's be honest about it. Uh, what was the movie that influenced me? Uh, there's a bunch of movies that have influenced me, but if, if we're talking about uh, from uh, deciding to be a filmmaker, I would say that the three movies that were the biggest influence on me would be obviously Citizen Kane. If you guys haven't seen Citizen Kane with Orson Welles, uh, I know that some of you uh, watching or listening to this are like, oh, it's black and white. <laughs> If you haven't seen Citizen Kane, definitely watch it. It's a fascinating, it still holds up. It's a fascinating study in how an artist, an actor, a playwright, a radio actor, uh, 
was able to jump into the medium of film and really understand the level of control that it had over the audience. Um, Citizen Kane is such a fantastic example of every shot meaning something, of every every piece of dialogue meaning something, every fucking piece of wardrobe meaning something. Uh, that movie was incredibly eye-opening for me. And then uh, second day, actually, uh, right after that, I saw uh, Blade Runner for the first time. And Blade Runner blew my fucking dick off. So those two movies are huge influences on the stuff. And then if we're talking about, in general, b- movies that are influenced, I would say Alien. First Alien is such an amazing movie. Uh, it's a, an amazing piece of art. Um, and then uh, The Thing. So those would be the big ones for me. Uh, okay. Yes, smart movie. Yeah, I'm just reading some of the comments here. We got some flame icons. I know you guys listening are going to find that so fucking fascinating. Uh, I'll review it on my show and I'll send that to you. Okay, cool. Sounds great. Um, so I think, uh, I think we're, we're cranking in pretty good here. What are we at? About an hour? It's not bad. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, it's been good to just sort of sit down with you guys and uh, rant and rave a little bit. It's been a while since it's just been the two of us talking. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed what we talked about in this episode. And I hope you guys, I, I know I'm all over the place because I didn't really prepare today. But I hope you guys at least start thinking about ideas and start thinking about how to, how to capture these little fuckers and how to, how to plant them in such a way that they grow into something great and how to be completely okay with the idea that you have a cool idea or a cool concept, but you're just not ready for it yet. You just put it away, you write it down, you leave it somewhere. Uh, because when it's time, like when it's useful, it'll come out. It'll be ready. Uh, what do we got going on here? Some more comments before we go. It is 2 a.m. here, and I enjoyed this podcast. Good intel and a nice sharing session, says Rains Graham. I love reading people's fucking Instagram names. I'm happy that you enjoyed this. This is the first time that we've done a live podcast, um, and I am really happy that you guys have been a part of it. And uh, let me know, those of, you lis- those of you guys listening, do you like this idea? Do you like uh, being able to integrate with me live as we record the show? If so, we'll go through the process of letting you guys know ahead of time. So that way you can log in, you can sign in, and you can be a part of it. You can ask your questions on the show. Maybe that'll be a thing. Always trying new stuff. Um, But that's it, I think. I think we should end the show there. I'm uh, starting to feel like I'm ranting in a little bit too much. So in the meantime, you know the deal. Do yourself a favor and uh, find a way. Just do a little homework session, guys. Go out and pick yourself up or order it on fucking Amazon because we can't go outside. But uh, pick yourself up a really nice folder. Pick yourself up like a really nice book. Get yourself like a moleskin. Get yourself something that you like to touch, like you like to hold on to. Something that feels like you can archive it. Something that later on in life you can pull out and go, this was something important to me. Get yourself one of those. Leave it next to your bed 
And next time you have a dream, next time you have something that wakes you up at night and excites you, try to describe how you're feeling and how it makes you feel. And then you can examine that. You can examine what you're feeling and how to get an audience to feel the same way. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. And as always, I will see you next Tuesday.